welcome one welcome all to the rebel news daily live streams <laughs> rebelnews.com slash live streams is where you get the daily feed we're on rumble odyssey youtube and getter joining me jeremy lafredo how are you doing good sir i'm doing well thank you don't be too ecstatic to be here jeremy <laughs> i'm good i'm um, good i'm good i see you got a nice shiny new place uh whereabouts are you tell the audience please i'm in the big apple i'm in uh, new york city um getting it's not it's actually not that far from you yeah i'm That's just true. a little a little south yeah yeah well you're free to come to this country now maybe we'll see you soon as of i think two days from now you can come to canada without quarantining without being vaccinated without downloading the stupid app um surely they won't use it for anything else but uh <laughs> as of the end of the month people can come into our wonderful country and experience the lack of freedom we have here if you want that's to really interact nice pardon me that's really nice of them yeah i know it's uh <laughs> you know the queen i shouldn't make queen jokes whatever the queen has allowed <laughs> us to become our own country finally <laughs> and uh maybe prince charles who's now the kang will be as just as nice to us. If you want to interact with us, you can send a Rumble Ranter and Odyssey Hyper Chat. They allow crypto and fiat, if you know what I'm talking about, to post a message, question, comment, insult, compliment. I do foster a lot of insults on this program, Jeremy, since you're new to the Rebel News <laughs> live stream. It just happens with my audience, and uh, we take it with a grain of salt and tongue in cheek. But Joe Biden, you can never tell when he's being told, you know, if he if he's being fed lines, if he's coming up with it on his own, if he's having some sort of episode. But his latest episode, we'll call it, was about Hurricane Ian, which is supposedly going to ravage through most of Central and North Florida. It looks terrible, worse than any we've seen. I think they're saying upwards of 100 years, but I'm no meteorologist, but it looks really bad. So we've got a little bit of coverage on that to start. And let's start with Joe Biden's comments on how people can most safely protect themselves from this terrible storm. Let me be clear. If you're in a state where hurricanes often strike, like Florida or the Gulf Coast or into Texas, a vital part of preparing for hurricane season is to get vaccinated now. <laughs> Everything is more complicated if you're not vaccinated in a hurricane or a natural disaster <laughs> hits. Let me be clear. I like how it's not even like a, a regular sentence. He just inserts the tagline. The best thing to do is to get <laughs> vaccinated now. Say no to drugs. Jeremy, is this the best yeah. advice you can think of? I mean, he he's right. You know, um, if shelters and it, you know, if shelters and if food drives and if, if uh, like emergency services are more available to, you know, those who are vaccinated, then yeah, being unvaccinated mm. it complicates everything. You know, that's an interesting. Um, point. But that's not like a it's not a COVID thing or like a vaccine thing. It's a policy thing. Um, but it's especially funny that he'll say like, you know, the vaccine will help you from a hurricane, a tornado, a tsunami, you know, et cetera, but it won't stop the spread of, of COVID. Um, but it'll save you from a hurricane. It's a very interesting, you know, medical procedure that stops you from like dying in a hurricane, but it doesn't stop the, the COVID. I like how he could only name Florida as one of the states 
that might be affected by the hurricane. Oh, Texas. Yeah, throw that in there. There's no Georgia or anything else there. The Florida in the Gulf. That's right. He's 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 got a map in front of him. I'm sure it's one of the old timey maps where it's Pangea or something for when he was born. <laughs> Don Lemon so also was uh, chiming in on this. They had um, what is this? A director for the I don't know what NOAA stands for. Do you? Mm, no, no. Some national weather. I'm I'm, I'm assuming. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So Don Lamone, who's recently been downgraded to morning show. I guess he's not there yet. <laughs> and they're going to do a, a collaboration of several failures on CNN to do a morning show. But I guess he's winding down his night show here. And he's got this uh, director. And this is a great time to be, you know, a meteorologist, a TV meteorologist. And uh, they had a great one on Tucker Carlson last night. I'd imagine this guy's good in his own right. Probably doesn't care about Don Lemon's politics, it seems like. But Don Lemon really wants to exp- explain to the audience that this is being exacerbated and made worse by climate change. And the guy doesn't really seem to want to hear that from Don Lamone. So let's play that, please. Can you tell us what this is and what effect climate change has on this phenomenon? Well, we can come back and talk about climate change uh, at a later time. I want to focus on the here and now. (laughs) We think the rapid intensification is probably almost done. There could be a little bit more intensification as it's still over the warm waters of the uh, eastern Gulf of Mexico. But I don't think we're going to get any more rapid intensification. If you look here, you can actually see, pretty interesting for your viewers, you can actually see a second eye wall forming around the inner eye wall. And that's basically the second eye wall has overtaken the original eye wall. And that should arrest development. Uh, so listen, I just, I'm just trying to get that. You said you want to talk about climate change, but what, what effect does climate change have <laughs> on this phenomenon that, that is happening now? Because it seems these storms are intensifying. That's the question. Here. I don't think you can link climate change to any one event. Okay. On the whole, on the cumulative Climate change uh, may be making storms worse, uh, but uh, to link it to any one event, um, I, I would caution against that. Okay. Well, based, uh, listen, I grew up there, and these storms are intensifying. Something is causing them to in- intensify. So this storm is just it's forget, a massive Forget storm. about your science, weather boy. In the southern part of Florida. <laughs> what about the areas that, that may not be taking a direct hit or experiencing the storm surge, like on the West Coast? How much will the rest of the state be impacted? Yeah, that's actually a good question because um, we flip out to this other graphic. You can see uh, this orange area is the size. So if you think about how big the wind field is and you can just see how big that wind field is relative to traditional hurricanes. And as that moves up and over the Florida Peninsula into the southeast United States, you can see this big area, uh, blue area, tropical storm warnings. Um, So it's really going to be a big event for not just. I was going to say, I don't think he talks more about climate change there, but I like he just had to inject it in there. It's and so funny. He, he says he says, I grew up there. It's like, that's fun. He's really bringing the facts and the data to this news report. You know, I grew up there. Cool, Don. We're, we're talking to a scientist, you know, you know, it'd be so much easier if Don Lamone didn't take himself so seriously and was able to just pontificate about things and say, hey, you no. know what, I grew up there and it feels like they're getting worse and worse. But no, he they have to at CNN approach it from a position like this is the only outlook that exists. So, of course, mm-hmm. climate change is making it worse. Maybe it's Chinese weather machines. Maybe it's harp. 
who knows, Jeremy Lafredo, known conspiracy he says, theorist. He says, we'll get to climate change later if, if you want. Um, like, he gave him an out, you know? Yeah. But, like, as a CNN company, man, he had to bring it up again. Um, you know, a big hurricane, it's not scary enough. It has to, they have to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It has to be your fault that they're getting bigger. Um, but, you know, regular one hurricane, it's not enough. You know, it's the worst hurricane in 100 years. Um, but uh, Don says to the scientist, uh, you know, please just give me this. Please say it was climate change, please. And the, the scientist is too, you know, he's he has too much integrity for CNN. <laughs> That's why he's being rewarded with, you know, the earliest of early shows. He's even <laughs> bumped below Wolf Blitzer, who's basically a cyborg at this point. So that's how well <laughs> Don Lemon's doing. We've got a little bit more, you know, environment stuff from up here in Canada. Stephen Gilbo, who is the handsome, possibly werewolf uh, environment minister here. Um, he's talking about how the conservatives want to end the... Um, the carbon tax, which, of course, raises everybody's prices at the gas pump and in their homes. And he says he's they're trying to cancel a price on pollution, which is taking money away from Canadians. I don't understand. Let's play this. Today, Pierre Polyev and his conservative politicians tried to stop carbon pricing in, in Canada. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? It means that uh, families in Ontario that will be receiving this year checks of $700 for their climate rebate won't get it. it means that uh, folks in, uh, in, in Alberta, families in Alberta, who would be getting $1,100 check this year won't get it. It also means that Pierre Poilier wants <laughs> to make pollution free for big polluters, polluting our air, polluting our water, and contributing to climate change. We don't think it's right. That's why we stood up to him. We said no. We think we can fight pollution, help Canadians with affordability. The Conservative Party and Pierre Poilievre have no plans to do either of those things. First of all, I think we all know how Frenchly he pronounces Pierre <laughs> It's like he's got a grapefruit in his mouth or something. But this is very interesting, Jeremy, and I'll explain why I think this. Because he's saying that because they won't get a $700 check or an $1,100 check, they're actually taking money away from Canadians by ending a tax. So instead of you just having the money in your pocket to begin with, he thinks that it's better and makes should make more sense. Everybody should understand this, that it's better to take the money away from you and then give some of it back if you've overpaid than just leaving the money in your pocket to begin with. And of course, the people who are getting $1,100 a month might actually be paying that anyways or more, but also it's also taking money away from people who can afford this. So we're doing our own little wealth redistribution here by mm -hmm. saying that people who may not actually pay this much in carbon tax because they don't, maybe they don't drive as much or they pay rent so they don't have to pay excess of heating amounts. We'll just give them the money and we'll use taxpayer dollars to do that. So you're basically paying for somebody else who might not use as much energy. Um, so you're giving them money. So it doesn't make any sense from two different standpoints, I don't think. And for him to say that they're uh, contributing to climate change, I'm wondering how you know carbon emissions contributes to dirty water. I would like to see what he means by that. Maybe he's got a point, but I'm going to guess at this point, the Justin Trudeau government, who's full, which is full of people who have no idea what they're doing, is not, you know, giving a full explanation to that somewhere. 
probably has something to do with equity and inclusion, if I had to guess. What's it, what is this man's name again? Uh, Stephen Gilbo. <laughs> he needs a he needs a better microphone. Um, but uh, I did hear what he was saying. I mean, it's it's so silly. They're doing it in in the U.S. too. Just like um, you could keep all this money in your pocket. <laughs> you you know, like of course you could keep this money in your pocket, but we rather take this money. Um, you know, invest it in, you know, like green tech, carbon capture technology, whatever it is, you know, Bill Gates' latest company, and then send you some money back. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe you'll get a check. Maybe you won't. Um, it's just, it's so silly. And it's just a fucking, it's just a, it's a <laughs> scheme. I almost cursed. Um, oh Not on the internet, Jeremy. <laughs> um, it's just a scheme and it's, it's really unfortunate. And this guy, um, I, I could understand him. His microphone was really bad, um, but he's obviously um, trying to sell this to the people and pull the wool over their eyes. Yeah, and uh, write your letters to Jeremy at rebelnews.com if you're offended by what he said, as yeah. many of us are. <laughs> his half swear word. I think well, we go, sure if YouTube would. I think we generally go by, you know, late night television rules. Maybe not okay. F-bombs, but maybe a few curse words here and there producer Efron okay. doesn't encourage it i don't think but we won't cancel you for that um we're gonna okay. go to a break here jeremy stay with us we're gonna get to i think my favorite politician jacinda out of new zealand and we're gonna get to some european tyranny as well so let's throw to this commercial and we'll be right back my mug i know it's pretty cool. So is this hoodie I got on, and you could have it on too if you check out our special website at rebelnewsstore.com. That's where you can see Freedom Focus hoodies that we have for you, beanies, cell phone cases, you name it, all while supporting our journalism where we fight to bring you the other side of the story as opposed to, you know, being forced by the Trudeau government to fund leftist media out of your taxes. The truth is, without you and your generosity, there is no rebel news. So again, if you like the reports that we bring you and that we also fight for freedoms in Canada, please consider doing some shopping, picking up some swag at rebelnewsstore.com. We appreciate your support. Always listen to Dre Humphrey if you know what's best for you. New Zealand's prime minister is an admitted socialist. She has no concept of a real job. I think you'll notice that um, a lot of the stuff she says is clearly not bounced off of anybody. She never has to argue or debate with anyone on anything. And you'll see what I mean right here. Let's play this, Olivia. This week, we launched an initiative alongside companies and nonprofits to help improve research and understanding of how a person's online experiences are curated by automated processes. This will also be important in understanding more about mis- and disinformation online, mm -hmm. a challenge that we must, as leaders, address. Sadly, I think it's easy to dismiss this problem as one in the margins. I can certainly understand the desire to leave it to someone else. As leaders, we're rightly concerned that even the most light-touch approaches to disinformation could be misinterpreted as being hostile to the values of free speech that we value so highly. But while I cannot tell you today what the answer is to this challenge, I can say with complete certainty that we cannot ignore it. To do so poses an equal threat to the norms we all value. 
After all, how do you successfully end a war if people are led to believe the reason for its existence is not only legal but noble? How do you tackle climate change if people do not believe it exists? Mm -hmm. How do you ensure the human rights of others are upheld when they are subjected to hateful and dangerous rhetoric and ideology? The weapons may be different, but the goals of those who perpetuate them is often the same, to cause chaos and reduce the ability of others to defend themselves, to disband communities, to collapse the collective strength of countries who work together. But we have an opportunity here to ensure that these particular weapons of war do not become an established part of warfare. In these times, I'm acutely aware of how easy it is to feel disheartened. We are facing many battles on many fronts, but there is cause for optimism because for every new weapon we face, there is a new tool to overcome it. For every attempt to push the world into chaos is a collective conviction to bring us back to order. We have the means, we just need the collective will. I think if you're going to nominate any person to be in charge of anything, it wouldn't be her. I mean, New Zealand disagrees, but if you're going to say who should be in charge of saying what's good and what is not good on the Internet, I certainly wouldn't choose this lady. She's absolutely off the walls crazy. Jeremy, I don't know how you feel about this, but Jacinda Arden coming up here and calling <laughs> the internet a weapon of war and, yeah. and she's a, they should be able to decide what's propaganda. You can't just be on the internet saying that Russia's right or that climate change isn't, you mm -hmm. know, a huge deal. That no. should be against the law. And it's funny she's saying she's she's like, you know, uh Mis and disinformation is a giant problem. And then the camera pans to like the leaders of like Tanzania and like they're like, we can't feed anyone. Like, how is you know, it's just such a different, um, such different priorities. Um, but you know, she's like arguing, you know, how can you take on climate change when you have, you know, free speech and democracy? You can't. And it's so, it, it's just, it shows you where, because that's the, you know, it's the predominant narrative when you go to like the World Economic Forum or even, you know, people in the US is just like, we can't address these issues. Like, and it's so, um, it's so infantile and so like uh, movie like like your words um, can make the world you know heat up and burn like we need to stop this. It's like you have to be screen damaged to believe that. Like you really need to be you know an infant to believe that your words can make climate change worse. Um, it's so it's so silly and obviously our viewers and we don't believe that. Um, but you know the people who are watching TV all day and watching mainstream media, I guess they this is something that they agree with. I like this term screen damage you used. Screen damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're watching too many, too much TV. You're on the internet too much. You're, you're screen damaged. You, you can't think straight. Yeah, I have, a, <laughs> I have a friend who just came in with a new podcast called The TV Told Me. So I thought that was a good, um, a good oh, title for him. It's uh, like you said, the feeling I had when I watched this first time earlier this morning was that they're basically, and we'll see this with this next clip, they are outright telling you about their totalitarianism, authoritarianism, mm -hmm. however you want to categorize it these days. They're so brazen, Jacinda Ardern, in a country where I'd wager that there probably is no self-defense with weapons laws, she's saying that we need to use censorship on the internet as an act of self-defense against mm -hmm. harms and of war. How can you end a war 
when people are freely speaking about it on the internet. Well, first of all, they're not. There's nothing that comes out of Rush on the internet. You can't even get, I believe it's RT on Telegram either in Canada. It's banned um, from viewing here. So they already are doing it. And it hasn't ended the war, so I don't know what she would be, what other war she would be referring to. Maybe it's the war on terror or the info war, Jeremy Lafredo. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, because yeah, they're already they're, there's a clear you know information war against any information that's coming from the Russian government. You know, like RT is banned on YouTube, Russia Today. Um, so it's already happening. So this idea that you know she's looking for the political will to do so you already have it you know you're kicking them off of the internet left and right people are going to clip this and be like see rebel news is paid by putin people already say that i don't know if you've seen that especially to i've seen that yeah yeah we're we're paid by everyone i would like to be paid by you know like the nba or the ufc or something but it's <laughs> only the un and the kremlin that get the checks mm -hmm. to my doorstep we've got the um, what is this? The European Commission on something uh, chief. She doesn't like this free bank. This is funny. I did watch this earlier. Let's play this. She basically doesn't want anyone to control banking except for them. It's great. Where do we stand? We central bankers. We have been operating as a monetary anchor in relation to the commercial banks and the private money. If we are not in that game, if we are not involved in experimenting, in innovating in terms of digital uh, central bank money, we risk losing the role of anchor that we have played uh, for many, many decades. And we have historical examples of period where the central bank uh, monetary anchor was not there. And that precipitated crisis after crisis. That certainly was the case at the time of the free banking in the 19th century. Do we want to go back to those days? Probably not. I would say certainly not from our vantage point, as a result of which we have to respond to the demand for those digital payments in order to maintain the role of anchor that we have uh, been playing uh, regularly. So definitely from her vantage point. Jeremy, what do you think she means by being the anchor in the monetary system? Oh, it's, I mean, it's so, it's just imagine like looking at people and saying like, you know, where do we stand? You know, central bankers, um, you know, she, she knows that they are, you know, what's tying this entire, you know, money printing financial system together. And if we find a way to, you know, pay each other and get paid um, in, you know, channels that, you know, kind of juke out or, you know, leave out um, the central bankers, um, they'll lose their power. And we just had here um, the Federal Reserve Chair um, Powell. He said, you know, a U.S. central bank digital currency, um, it won't be anonymous. And it's like, <laughs> what does that mean? You know, because like right now, cash, you know, which is given to us from the Federal Reserve printed, um, that's anonymous. So it kind of, you know, all these people who love digital currencies, you know, they're like, they're, they're going to give us freedom, X and Y. Um, that's not the d same digital currencies that they have in mind. Um, and that's clear. Yeah. And especially when she says from our vantage point, she's basically admitting that they need <laughs> to find a way to make money and be able to control this if they're going to, if they're, cause there's such a demand for digital currencies, but I, I don't know how it stops it. The problem I would see with somebody coming out with their own form of 
printed currency would be all the securities that have been built up over, I don't know, a hundred years of print money and the the identification numbers and the watermarks and everything, it'd be pretty difficult for somebody to come up with a new version of print money. Maybe you could turn your... Probably impossible. Yeah, your crypto money into print somehow and withdraw it. But how, would that be allowed? I don't think so. But it's something that people need to, st to stop and stand up against. I think the elimination of the government knowing literally everything that you do. I mean, mm -hmm. their cell phone's already the tracking device. So is there any deal about anything else? Yes, because you need to be able to do some things, transactions privately, and trust your citizens to report that when necessary on their taxes. Other than that, though, they seem to want to have zero faith in everybody and treat everybody like a baby hooked up to the matrix, which is, it appears, Jacinda, the European Union, the Central Bank, the World Economic Forum, they all seem to want it. And that seems to be the future we're going towards. Yeah, privacy is not something that they, no, privacy for them, they love that. They love meeting behind, <laughs> meetings behind closed doors. They love, you know, to talk to each other, um, you know, uh, and never have their communications uh, seen by anyone else. But privacy for us is is not good. Um, you know, I think uh, it was it was Julian Assange who said you need um, giant organizations with tons of political power need to be transparent um, because if they're doing things that um, the public doesn't like, they need, the public needs to know so they can oppose them. But people like us who don't have any really political power other than our power to, to vote, um, we need a lot of transparency. Um, we need the most transparency um, so we can um, talk to each other and um, communicate and pay each other in private, um, which we're heading further and further away from that. Well, she said that other times where they didn't have control, they ran into problems. The only one I can think of on the top of my <laughs> head was Libya, and they had to topple that government. They wanted to move to a gold standard. And um, there was some other connection uh, when they created the central bank. It's probably a conspiracy. Everybody can go look up uh, conspiracy of the Titanic. I think the conspiracy for that <laughs> one is that everybody who opposed central banking was on the Titanic. Was on the Titanic. <laughs> yeah, you've heard that one. I bet you yes, have. I've heard that one. Um, mm -hmm. Let's go to another commercial. We've got lots of stuff. We've got your story um, to update everybody on. We've also got some creepy books that I wrote about in a children's library. And then people are asking, should we get our <laughs> the friends of the babies of our friends? Should we take them to get vaccinated without their parents knowing? We'll talk to you in a minute. misunderstood rebelnewsplus.com to find that show i mean they got good shirts 
abort government, assume my gender. I mean, their popular shirts are flying off the shelves. We need a Jeremy Lafredo split screen with <laughs> Seth Green that I, like I created a few weeks ago. Uh, if you just dye your hair, you look just like him. Everybody could go check that out on their own. But Jeremy, <laughs> tell everybody this uh, story you've been working on. Um, I'm not too familiar with it. So, And the Canadian audience might not be. The American audience is really supporting this story. Help save Evelyn Young. Can you update people on what's going on and give a little bit of background on that? Sure. So um, there's a hospital in Kansas City called Children's Mercy Hospital. And um, this hospital, quote unquote, medically kidnaps children at a rate far higher than any hospital in the region or in the country. Um, it happens so often that state senators in uh, Missouri have uh, introduced legislation to try to investigate the hospital and get them to stop medically kidnapping children so often. And all the families that I've talked to, they have the same exact story. They have this, um, they are in the hospital, they take their kid to the hospital. Um, the hospital does something that the parents disagree with, whether it's, you know, the kind of medication they're putting the kids on or they hurt the kid in some way. And the parents say, you know, we want to take our kid out and get a second opinion. And it's right when that happens in all of these cases is when the state gets called on the parents and um, they try to re they they revoke custody of the children. The children go in the hands of the state or to the foster care system. They stay in the hospital. Um, and their most recent victim is this woman, the, this woman's daughter, a 10 year old Evelyn Young, who. Um, was in the hospital. Um, she was given this drug by the hospital that the family disagreed with. And it turns out that she, she became um, partially blind from the drug and she suffered from encephalopathy. So her, her brain was swelling and um, her, her parents freaked out. And then the hospital essentially gaslit them and used their freaking out as justification to say that you're not mentally uh, fit to, to be this uh, child's uh, daughter. I mean, um, the, their parents. And so they're fighting to get their kid back. And I'm covering that story. But upon arriving in Kansas City, I, I've seen that there's you know, dozens of families that have suffered this exact same fate where their kids are stolen from this hospital um, for whether you know, it's financial reasons or uh, whether the doctors have you know, ego trips, but um, they're stolen from this hospital one way or another. And a lot of families don't get their kids back. So we're, we're trying to fight against that. And you can help us at saveevelyn.com. Um, it's a website we set up to try to help the family financially afford a, a lawyer to get their daughter back. So definitely help us out. Um, that's what's going on in Kansas City. Yeah, that's E-V-L-Y-N. Now, Jeremy, I assume people are going to assume, double assume there, that the the reason the hospital would do something like this, and I'm just throwing this out there, I'm not making a claim against them, is that it would generate more income for them to keep people in the hospital longer, give them more medicine, et cetera, et cetera. But what would you say is the hospitals justification for this is there a reason why they're saying they need to keep these children there longer is it just because they say you know we need to give them the proper care is there some official reason they're giving when uh confronted with these cases i mean all the parents have the same story like they want to take their kids to get a second opinion and the hospital says no the kid stays and when the parents say you know this is kind of crazy what do you mean the kid stays the, the hospital gets the state to force the kids to stay so a lot of the parents believe that their kids are seen as you know cash cows you know the insurance companies are paying for their stays um and you know it's weird with evelyn um right when they showed up to the hospital the the family was asked if they wanted to be part of an nih funded you know research study and they were like no and um so 
the hospital, the hospital was like, you know, you, you should really look at this paper. We'd really like to enroll Evelyn in this, this study. And the family said no. And so right then and there, the family said that the hospital kind of became a little, a little more colder. They ruffled some feathers right when they got there. And, um, and then in all of the reports that the hospital used uh, to take custody from the parents um, to take Evelyn away. And so all the, all the papers that they gave to the courts, they say Evelyn is you know, fully unvaccinated and homeschooled. And so the dad was like, you know, this, they really care more about the fact that she's unvaccinated and homeschooled than her current medical condition. So um, it really seems like the, the hospital, while they, all, they make money on keeping a, someone there, they also, you know, they kind of are um, insulted um, that this family sort of doesn't believe in the system that that they're all a part of, you know, the unvaccinated homeschooled. Um, so it's it's really interesting to see all of this um, unravel, and hopefully that hopefully Evelyn won't suffer the same fate as these other children who never see their their parents again. Hopefully Emma, uh, Evelyn can go home to her family. Now I have some friends who work in the medical community, and they of course hold it to the highest regard, no matter what the subject. And I'm thinking from up here in Canada that uh, how is this happening in a place like Missouri? It's supposed to be a red state. Would you say mm. that it's more so in your personal opinion, the fact that it's, you know, big cities anywhere tend to be more liberal in this sense? Or is it the, the medical system who is just going to be more likely to say, hey, you should be vaccinated and this is very important? Yeah, I mean... I would assume, you know, Kansas, Missouri, you know, these are red states, but at the same time, you know, the people who work at these hospitals and the doctors um, and the insurance companies, like they don't have any insurance companies don't have politics. They just, they just see money, but ho hospitals themselves, like these people are coming from all over to work there. It's, it's one of the most prestigious research hospitals in the country. So who knows where these doctors are from, but you know, the philosophy that kind of, revolves inside of you know giant government funded pharmaceutical industry funded medical institutions is not one of like you know um really left or right it's more so we believe in this system we believe all our medicines work we believe the pharmaceutical industry is good and those who don't believe it are you know uninformed rednecks mm -hmm. and they don't deserve um to uh you know take care of their children the way they see fit because that that way is dangerous yeah, I would have to agree that it's it, it's its own version of uh, of politics in itself. I want to move and show the website there, Olivia, please, so people know where to go. Thank you. That's Save Evelyn, and then donations that go to that campaign um, are on the right, along the right side, and you can watch the video as well. Fly over to Calgary, which you can do from Kansas City, Missouri now without um, being masked or quarantining as of tomorrow, two days. So flying into the weekend into Canadian Thanksgiving, I think a couple weeks now, Jeremy, our Thanksgiving's in October. Don't ask me why. Um, <laughs> natives, we don't have pilgrims here. I think they were called settlers. Um, all that rhubarb, you know, um, Smash the patriarchy. But Calgary Elementary School <laughs> in Alberta, Canada, um, we got an anonymous email that I followed up to, which was somebody taking pictures inside of a children's library at a public school. It's, I believe, grades five to nine. So nine years old through 13 or 14 years old. And they're pushing these books on them. So they're displayed prominently in the library, in the front window, they've got this little sign here if you want to scroll down. 
They've got a sign that says new books. I think it's keep going maybe. Yeah, so even the sign that says new books, you can see right there is a pride flag with the black and brown thing because somehow that's a sexuality too. But um, they're pushing these books on the children and there's no restrictions on ages of who can uh, rent these books out, who can borrow them from the library. So you could have a nine-year-old walk in there and be like, what the hell is this book about? My name's Billy, I don't know any better, and open this up. <laughs> and the one book that they might open up is called Flamer, as you can imagine what that might be about. So this is somehow an award-winning book, even though it's a weird, gross book. And I'm not saying ban the book from publication if you're a weird person who wants to read about a guy's weird teenage sexual experiences at a summer camp. Go for it. Give him his money if you want to. But this isn't for kids. So it has um, children telling other children to masturbate into a Mountain Dew bottle. And uh, we've got this picture here. We've got, you know, like, it's more like jokes that a 20-something-year-old would joke about with his friends, which is why I'm saying in the grand scheme of things, it's just a weird graphic novel. Um, also, a guy talking about watching his father's porn. And if we scroll down a bit more, you can see a child watching an adult shower. Again, weird book. If you're a weirdo and you want this in your graphic novel, go for it. I don't care. But not for 9, 10, 11-year-olds. Um, I certainly wasn't exposed to this weird stuff in elementary school. The second book they have, can we go back to that for a second? They've got a weird book about a child who wants to be start his own business. Oh, isn't that lovely? Uh, they want to yes. start their own talent agency. Isn't that lovely mm -hmm. too? Um, but the child in the book, the first other kid that they sign and their faux talent agency for kids, whatever it is, is of course a 13 year old drag queen boy. So that's the kind of stuff that's right on the front. Um, this teacher wanted to remain anonymous, so we allowed that. Um, but they did prove that they were a teacher that works there. We wanted to verify that side of everything. But this is the sort of stuff you think, again, Alberta, Canada, they, they herald themselves as the Texas of Canada, a conservative province, really fighting the Trudeau government. Elementary school showing like weird nude stuff to kids, and it, it's great. It's great that we have whistleblowers on stuff like that. Yeah, see, there's the other books. Um, it's a drag to be something is what one of them's called, and uh, they also, if you scroll down, they have a BLM flag. There you go. That's in one of their hallways. So they're just ripe with the social justice there. Any <laughs> thoughts on that, Jeremy? I know that was a mouthful for me just because I wrote that. Um. I mean, schools are such an interesting, like, because we don't, like, only the kids go. So we really need those teacher whistleblowers, because other than that, we don't know what's happening in there. It's, it's almost, you know, it's, it's illegal for us to just walk into school and look around. Um, right, rightfully so. I understand why that might be. You know, you don't want random people coming in the library at an at a elementary school. But it's really, other than the teacher whistleblowers, we'll never know what's happening inside of these schools. So it's great that you found that out. Well, the video cameras inside of a classroom, I think, is a good idea. Some schools have that. Day, a lot of daycares have that. As long as it's just inside the classrooms or hallways and not some other creepy areas, of course, then I think that's going to be a good idea where if you're a parent, maybe you're at work, you can just tune in to see what your kid's learning about today, maybe. Maybe you turn into tune into that history class and they're just learning about World War II. Or maybe you're tuning into that kid's history class and he's learning why he's a racist, colonialist, <laughs> um, 
you know, mass murder or some sort of ideology like that. The last story regarding children, which producer Olivia aptly titled as Save the Children for All These Things, is, I forget where this post came from, but it's some sort of advice column. Can we pull that up? It's a Washington Post advice column for Ask Damon, um, not Matt Damon. Should I get my anti-vax friends' baby vaccinated without telling them? Can we scroll down and I want to, let's let Jeremy read some of these questions. Is it paywalled? We'll get a paid version for you guys. Pardon me? Um, no, it was paywalled. But, I mean, it's crazy. You know, you two years of, you know, pa pandemic you know, psychological warfare on people. And we have Americans asking if it's okay to kidnap their friends' babies. It's, it's really wild what's happening. I mean, thankfully, um, the columnist said, you know, maybe we shouldn't kidnap their babies and we should just, you know, socially, um, you know, alienate our friends instead, which is really nice of him. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I thought it was so silly and that's, it's crazy. It's being published by the Washington. You know, this is a question that people, I don't think many people are asking it, but when it's published in the Washington Post, mm -hmm. it's assumed by readers that people are asking these questions and these questions are okay to ask. You know, it's propaganda. So it's it's harmful in that way. Well, maybe he just made up the question himself. I don't eliminate that yeah, idea. Exactly. Or he had one person asking him that as a joke. I'd imagine there's a lot of people who troll these different publications because there's a lot of people that troll our publications and email us stupid stuff. Um, but there's a lot of good emails too. I shouldn't leave that part out. Let's go to another break. Um, we've got a bit more arrive can stuff. If you want to contribute a question or comment or concern or compliment or, um, you know, drag queen story time, you can do that on Odyssey or rumble with a rumble rant. And we'll get to those in a moment. We'll be right back. So I absolutely love having the opportunity to chat with you, to chat with our ever-growing audience. But I'd actually love for you to have that opportunity as well. We actually have advertising opportunities available with rebelnews.com. We don't get handouts from the government. We trust on supporters, viewers, and advertisers like you. So instead of folks listening to me in this spot, they could actually be checking out your company, getting information about your business. For more information or to advertise with us, send an email to ads at rebelnews.com. Producer Efron, does Adam so is he cutting just a sick promo there, or did he memorize lines? Because I want to. Either way, that's talent that cannot be paralleled. Um, pardon me. All memorized. He's Tom Cruising it out there, or um, maybe like a Vince Vaughn rant where he goes on one of these rants, or maybe he says this, or maybe he says that. He's like, maybe this is what are you going to do? Maybe it's not what you're going to do. One of those epic Vince Vaughn rants. Um, Another guy who does that is Jeremy Piffin. But I digress. The article about the Arrive Can app, that was what we were calling our wonderful app that everybody assumes, knows, is expecting it's going to turn into digital ID. Um, yesterday, I spoke with Alexa Lavoie on a live stream who was talking about how they don't plan to delete the information they got from it. Hmm, I wonder why that is. But Blacklock's reporter, now I take a little bit of issue with this article here, and I'll tell you why in a moment. Let's bring that up. Of course, they're a supremely paywalled organization, but they give you a taste. And they say the ArriveCan app intended to speed vaccine checks at border crossings instead slowed traffic with a third of travelers unsure of how to comply. Uh, the co 
customs and didn't realize there was a second page. Immigration use and test union testified yesterday. Lineups were so long. Travel <laughs> travelers urinated on themselves while waiting to clear customs. MPs were told that's not funny. Jeremy Lafredo peeing at the border. <laughs> now the problem I had with this article is the um, prefacing is it as yeah, if it was meant sentence. to speed vaccine checks. Mm -hmm. That's not what it was yeah. for. You might want to preface that by saying the government said that what it's for, but exactly. we all that's know great. it's 2022. That's not what it was actually for. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I mean, it, it, like, if you want to speed up vaccine checks at the border, if you want to speed up, you know, getting across the border, don't require a vaccine. Um, you know, like, it's not, it's not, you know, rocket science here, but like the idea that it was intended to speed up vaccine checks. No, it was intended to coerce people into getting vaccinated to travel. Um, but yeah, no, so that is a crazy way to start the, the, the article. Well, I'm glad you uh, great minds think alike here. And also, of course, intended to collect data of people and what their frequent movements are. Yeah, no, but yeah, how surprising course. that people wouldn't understand especially Americans who are just like, I can travel freely in my country, but I still can't go there, unfortunately. Um, did we want to cut to some of Lincoln Jay's footage at the uh, boob guy protest that's happening right now? Is that what we're about to show? Yeah, let's show it. <laughs> Lydia keeps saying, if you want to. She's so uh, pleasing to the, to the host here. <laughs> she just said, yeah. Um, we, of course, we've got integral Canadian flags, large protests. Now, producer Efron, or perhaps uh, Lincoln Jay, was telling me that these students were trolling some of the protesters. And here's the problem, Jeremy, is that a lot of these protesters are what I would call career protesters. Um, yes, I agree, and many agree with what they do and stand for. But they kind of come and do this whole song and dance, and and a lot of people who lead these things are doing are clout chasing. I mean, you've got people who there's a, there's a person who drives a car with writing all over it all across the country. There's Bubble Van guy. There's prominent superstar G string man. I mean, there's all this cast of characters, mm -hmm. and they come out to a school, and the show sort of comes of becomes about them. And these students, I think, recognize you know, tomfoolery, buffoonery, if you will, and they start calling it out. The other side, I would say, is what are these kids doing outside if not protesting what's going on? Mm -hmm. They probably just don't want to be in class. That's the thing I see with a lot of high school protests where kids come out, where mm -hmm. there's like five kids. I saw this with like a, a transgender protest. I think, I forget which state it is, but uh, they were putting it, um, as gender specific bathrooms in a local in a school in that community and there's children hundreds of them who had a walkout but there was five kids standing there holding signs the rest yeah. of the kids were just standing there you could even see some kids making out in the crowd so these child <laughs> protests aren't exactly what i think we would all like no, them to be they're just there to get out of class i think do you agree yeah, I know, like, during the whole, like, George Floyd thing in the U.S., yeah. and um, whenever there was, like, you know, a, a really crazy, you know, school shooting, um, the administration at the school would say, you know, you guys are allowed, if you want, to walk out during this period. And obviously, everyone's like, okay, yeah, I would love to go outside. You know, that's the, literally the only thing you want to do as a, as a kid in high school is go outside. So if you get a free pass to go outside, whether it's, 
you know, for George Floyd or a shooting or transgender or whatever it is, you're just going to walk outside. So it's going to always going to look bigger than it actually is in terms of uh, the people that are there and the people who actually care about the issue. Yeah. And one of the things I remember from high school was the phantom rule of if the teacher doesn't show up for 50 minutes, you're allowed to go home. Yeah. I think that was a thing <laughs> that was worldwide. I in remember that. English speaking country is a pretend rule. I want to go to some of the paid chats, Olivia. And then I want to talk about this NDP motion. Um, they want to lower the age of voting. So let's see what we got. We'll get a newcomer, Jeremy Lafredo. Uh, writer Dave likes to call him Loaf. If you want to read some of these, Jeremy. J Lo. Um, he says, um, why can't the New York State troopers try to go after these taxi drivers who are knowingly driving these migrants to the Canadian border? And, oh, Andrew Jeremy does not look like Seth Green. Leave him alone. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, as someone who's, you know, I think I pay attention to, you know, what's going on in the news. I talk to people when I go outside and when I walk around. I didn't know that taxi drivers were even taking these people to the Canadian board. I mean, it is like a seven or eight hour drive from New York City. It's crazy that a, a, a New York City taxi driver who normally just drives five miles north and five miles south and five miles west would go eight hours to the Canadian border. Um, well, I, I didn't know that was happening, to be honest. It's um, in the northeast where they go to Roxham Road in Qu the Quebec crossing. So I don't think it's New York City. It's New York State. And there's oh, an okay. old um, tried and true investigative story where there's like a cab company near the border that shuttles people to the border and is uh, like, hey, this is what's going to happen. Um, so that's an interesting question. It's a very interesting question. I would love to look into that because if that's actually happening, that would be really interesting to go there and, and talk to some people. Yeah, it's been, I think, a few years since Rebel News sent somebody from the American side to the border. So that would be interesting. It would be. Any other ones, Olivia? Go ahead, Jeremy. My TV is really far away from me. Yeah, you got it. Similar situation to Evelyn happened in BC Children's Hospital last week. There was an Amber Alert for a mom removing her child because she wanted a second opinion. Yeah. So that's really unfortunate and that's really scary. And the more parents I talk to, ever since I popped on the story, um, so many parents have reached out to me and so many parents have been put in touch with me who, um, you know, state law enforcement or child protective services or whoever you, you want to say gets involved just because parents don't like the medical treatment that their kid is receiving at a certain hospital. So it's a giant problem um, and no one's talking about it. Um, and it really needs to be addressed because this is really scary in terms of you know parental rights and family rights in the US and Canada. Well, if you recall seeing in Canada, and they may have done this in New York with the vaccinations, that 12 years old was low enough to go and get vaccinated on your own. And the bypassing yeah. they did with that was using or categorizing it as an emergency service. So if you're 12 years old and above, you can receive emergency services without medical services without the consent of your parent in Canada. Now, there's I'm sure people have seen on like cops where the person's unconscious and they're just like, uh, we need their permission. That's uh, we're obviously a little bit more government friendly in this country, um, whether you agree with that or not. Uh, they don't need their permission for mm -hmm. that. I mean, you can refuse to take a ride in the ambulance, but. This is how they categorize that. And I'm willing to bet that there is a place in Canada where they would say something like that. Like, if you don't want to get your child vaccinated, 
this is a required service and we are going to vaccinate your child if they want to. And they're going to say, you know, Jimmy and Sally, which is every child's name in the 50s, um, <laughs> you need this or else you're not going to be cool. Can we go to this uh, story about the NDP? It's a proposed bill. I don't know if he's got a uh, video on it. Do we have that? There we go. Yeah. It's a freshly written article. Who wrote that? Oh, William Wild Bill Diaz, as we call him. Big Willie style <laughs> as well. So the New Democrats, I almost said the New Democrats, uh, they want to lower the, the voting age to 16. Of course, there's so many things wrong with that. Starting with um, the idea that they're saying that this is, I mean, you could argue that voting is the most important thing there is. So if you're allowed, if you're old enough and mature enough to vote and shape the future of your country and decide as a voter and participate in the process of how laws are made and which laws should be made or taken away, then surely you're old enough to drive. Surely you're old enough to have a beer. Surely you're old enough to join the military. Surely you're old enough to, you know, and I said this on Twitter, then why isn't this guy trying to legalize, you know, sex work for, for children? I wouldn't advocate for that. But if you're saying children are this, 16-year-olds are smart enough, intelligent enough, um, they have enough logic to them, to their decision-making, to participate in, vo in national votes, at the age of 16, then there's a whole other laundry list of things we need to start uh, looking into. Cigarette smoking, gambling. Why aren't there 16-year-olds at the casino? They can decide who should, should run be. the country. Why can't they decide if they want to play a game of roulette, Jeremy? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, any, like, you know, liberal party in the U.S. or in Canada, they want to get children that's what I mean, teenagers, whatever you want to call them, to start voting. Um, these are people who, you know, normally don't have full time jobs, <laughs> normally are um, normally spend a lot of time on their cell phones and on the Internet and their peers do the same. And they're way more susceptible to, you know, propaganda. So, you know, they're, they're just like on online, on TikTok, on whatever they are getting like news from someone who doesn't really know what they're talking about or you know is targeting them with a certain narrative and these are the people that they want to vote because they know that they can count on them to vote for the right the quote-unquote right thing mm -hmm. with the foxes the now this anything on snapchat that's promoted yeah. as news um that isn't just dancing like this and all the stupid dances <laughs> that, that happen thank you thank you i've been working on it i don't understand i don't understand why there's so many channels focused on just uh, two teenagers doing choreographed dances. It's literally just like a sign of the times. <laughs> I don't uh, like, it's just pushed as like a, I don't, I, I strongly dislike Snapchat. It is poison. And I think it leads into they like, they know their demographic and they try to f lead them into a certain direction mm -hmm. in life. And it's either, you know, uh, gaming or becoming an OnlyFans person, I guess, uh, on either side of it. That's my per. That's what Andrew says, Jeremy Lafredo. Um, that's what Andrew says, TM. Um, <laughs> you I, pay I for think, that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're entirely right. And I think that, you know, once they, you know, whether they're a gamer and OnlyFans person, like while they were on that route to a gamer OnlyFans person, they you know picked up a few political ideologies that were given to them, and we want them to vote uh, on you know based on those. 
Yeah, that when we, it's top of mind. Climate of change, black square, basically. Yeah. We're about out of time <laughs> here, um, Jeremy. Do we have more chats I'm hearing? Okay. I'll read it. Thank you. Um, it's kind of far, far from me as well. Jeremy, this reminds me of a story I saw on YouTube. It was being ripped apart and the kids being stolen and handed over to foster care. I believe it was California. Um, yeah, I, I want to look at like right now, because we're looking in Kansas City. I would love to look at the more, um, you know, the more, po you know, right here in New York. I would love to see what's happening with the hospitals and the foster care system here. I'm sure there's a story here and I'm sure there's something going on in California. It's um, I, I quoted from this woman. Her name's uh, Nancy Schaefer. She was mysteriously, you know, um, murdered in her house along with her husband. They were both shot in the back and it was, you know, ruled a, a murder suicide. But she spent the last few years of her career looking into child protective services and she found, you know, ripe corruption in every state that she looked into and she published a report um, titled the, the Corrupt Business of Child Protective Services. So, you know, any state you look into, their CPS and their hospitals, they, they might be up to something and it's, it's something that every journalist and um, every person should, should look into and try to fix. And it turns out the hospital worker in that case was named Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> That's what John Podesta was, was the male nurse. That's right. Hillary just pulls off her wig and just like a, the face mask, like Mission Impossible, running down the hallway, <laughs> Tom Cruise. Mission Impossible 2 reference for everybody, um, where he gets a guy to kill his own henchman by having the disguise on the guy while his jaw was broken. Little factoid, IMDB for you. Um, the insanity happening in schools today is why my son will not be attending public school. Uh, it will be homeschool or Waldorf. What is Waldorf? Is that Harry Potter? You know, I think so. I, I will admit that I'm not familiar with um, Harry Potter. It's a reference. I've seen zero Harry Potters. I'm not afraid to say it. Waldorf. It's a private school. Oh, okay. Well, that's very specific to just be like, I will be sending my child <laughs> to this exact private school in Ontario. <laughs> Nobody follow me. <laughs> David Menzies is on the case, you guys. Is that it? Okay, that's it. Jeremy Lafredo on Twitter. Find him on Instagram under his uh, false flag account. I am Andrew Says TV and Andrew does on Instagram because those are things that I do. Rebelnews.com slash live streams is where you get the daily feed where we are posting the live stream primarily. But of course, we're on YouTube, Rumble, Getter, and Odyssey. We thank you for watching. Go to saveevelyn.com um, to chip into Jeremy's research there. Um, trips to Kansas City, Missouri are not cheap especially um, in the middle or on short notice is what I went to say. And then, of mm. course, go to my show on rebelnewsplus.com. We're revamping it right now. I'm going to announce that tomorrow, but I guess I've announced it now. Let's kick it to Joe Biden. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you. They're making a lot of profit, and the public is paying as part of the inflation. And uh, but look, my message is simple. To the companies running gas stations and setting those prices at the pump, bring down the prices you're charging at the pump to reflect the cost you pay for the product. Do it now. Do it now. Not a month from now. Do it now. And it's going to save people a lot of money.